0: Thank you, Audrey. I am Mariana, and I'm a grateful recovering. I will not. <coughs> Hi, everybody. Um, I'd like to say that I enjoy being here, but you know I've learned in the program that you have to be direct and honest, and I'd rather be out planting flowers <laughs> we also are asked to do what we speak was that I said because there were others before me enlightenment for me um I belong to the Friday night group at the grocery and uh, (laughs) but I want to thank you for the invitation for the speaking and um okay yeah that's okay Before I started, I asked for God's help to uh, give me a good lead and to help someone out there. And uh, if he, if I goof up, you got to blame him too. So I'm not the only one. (laughs) So this is my story. Um, I know we each are pretty well the same in many ways, but this is my story. And you just take what you need. um, Another one I want to thank is my husband, Pete. He got me here.
1: (laughs) Thank God he got me here.
0: Thank God. Then I want to thank my two children. They kept me here. (laughs) Many times when I wouldn't get to a meeting, and I used to go three three nights, they would say, Hey, Mom, you need a meeting. So I thank them. And then I thank my grandchildren. I have two girls. And I want to be here to help them if they are in need of the El program. Right now they're not dating anyone yet, when I keep, you know. But I want to be strong enough when if they have any problems that I can help them too. And um, then on third, I want to help. I want to uh, thank the group. Um, the best thing that I think I've got from the group in El in those 35 years is the higher power of my understanding. I came into the program with no heart, I was lost, totally lost, and you know that if you don't have a heart, and it is, you have, and the love which you have shown me, didn't have love, um, uh, and I was a very, angry. so, um, I'm one of six children, I was one of the middle children, and, um, we lived in town, town, had a lot of friends, and you know how the city life is. You have friends everywhere comes, and we had a paved driveway. So the little tricycles and the bicycles, you know, everybody came to my house. And we were one of the fortunate ones to have a little bit, I ought to really tell you, maybe been, you know, can't even understand, you didn't have a paved driveway? I'll be 67 years old, Groundhog Day. Wonderful 67 years. Um, but anyway, they came over and played, and it was a good life as far as I remember because, uh, um, you know, when you have a lot of people around and a lot of people, little kids, it, and there was love. You could feel it. And, but my mother and father decided that it was time to move to the Del- So, you know, and everybody thinks, boy, yippee do, we get to go to the farm. We have horses and cows and and all of those good things, you know, and lakes and so forth. And um, uh, it was a time, and I guess, at my age group. And I can understand some of these children that have to move by, you know, their fathers may be in service or something. And I can understand everything. And that was a hard time for me because we moved to the farm. And my older sister stayed in town and my two brothers and my mother. And all I can remember about the farm was work. I mean, it was always work. And I can understand today why it was work, because my father purchased the farm. It wasn't given to him. And, uh, and it was always work. And I didn't have my kids to play with. I didn't have my, my brothers. Well, you know you know how they are. They're a pain in the butt. I was always doing something wrong, and I was getting the blame for it. So it uh, it just wasn't a very good time. And I resented that, and I built up. And we, we were just, you didn't have to tell me when the milk to melt the cow. You didn't have to tell me when it was supper. It was just the same thing, day in and day out. And um, a lot of that, you know, isn't bad. And I kind of like the quietness now. But when you're used to being with a bunch of... No, we're all boys in the neighborhood, you know, kicked out. And um, my, I came from a Catholic German family. Now that tells you pretty well where my story leads. <laughs> I hear a lot of you that way. <laughs> um, all we ever did on the farm was work, sleep, we went to church, school, and school was my referee. I was a top, a top student. I loved reading because that was the thing. So, and I always had to be perfect. Um, we had money problems. My father was perfectionist. Uh, there was no talking. They were both people pleasers. They seemed to me anyway to please. Everything looked rosy on the outside, but there was so much lack of communication. And at that time, you know, children were there, but they were not hurt. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I just, and it could have been from the anger. got to tell you about something. I made up my mind one day, I was going home, back to town. So I get on my tricycle, and I go down the highway just a-clipping and a-clopping, and I'm going home. Now that little old tricycle just didn't go fast enough, Mom caught and that was the first lesson that I learned stuff like that just isn't going to happen so um, anyway uh, and my father had a lot of and there's nothing really wrong with that I think we too little today my opinion only but um, any kind of problem that we had was never really just just put underneath the rug so I thought my family you know it's just perfect they never argued, they never kissed, they never held hands, they never loved. And But I thought, that's normal. And uh, so, uh, and it didn't seem like there was no balance. I never heard that word until I come into Al-Anon, but I can look back now and see that there wasn't as much balance. It was always, you know, 110% in everything. But when I started to high school, I sort of broke away, and I was supposed to go to work, but I rebelled, and I, and I babysit and put myself through high school. At 16, it was a big rumor about it, I was supposed to go to work. Everybody at that time went to work, and all my friends did. And I don't know why to this day, but I worked as a nanny, and I was not at home nanny and put myself through high school. And my, um, the girl that I worked for, I bought my first sectional ticket and also my yearbook. Um, I'm not really criticizing my family. That was just the way it was. It was for a lot of people at that time. And mom and dad, they did the best they could. They didn't know any different. It was just passed down for generations. And uh, so it, it really wasn't their fault. But in my thinking, I was abandoned. I, I was just lost. So um, when I went to high school, it seemed like all of the, the controlling part of my parents was. So I became a nanny, loved it, loved the children, and uh, dated and oh had some good times ooh those five, ten years man we poured the old ice in the Paul City case we didn't have coolers you know and then my girlfriend's father owned a grocery store and she could steal all the cigarettes man did we drink and puff oh it was great we had a couple of good years until we met the boys you know it was time back in that generation if you're not married but 21 you're an old maid. Today you're gay.
1: <laughs> Haven't figured
0: that one out. Could have been. Don't know. But um, um, but we had a lot of good times. And I didn't have a car. Didn't drive till I was 18. And um, so my girlfriend had a car. And uh, she uh, and I stayed at their house. Somewhere. And. <laughs> Mother, my mother and dad never cared, didn't call. They didn't care. I could stay there five days, and you know, it was just. And um, I have forgiven my mother now. I, I kept that all inside until I came to Alamon. And here I was able to say that I hated my mother. You know, it was things like when she was quilting, "Get away! You're going to get the quilt dirty." Mom, I just want to talk. You know. I have this problem walk off, reject it one more time. And um, um, so anyway, we started with the boys, you know, and kind of got off to that because we thought, you know, we don't want to be an old maid. And we dated different guys. I became engaged to one guy. I graduated from high school. And I had met Pete, Charlie, Pete, whatever you want, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You can't get rid of an alcoholic. They always find their way home. Five days later, but they do. They find their way home. He did, you know. But um, I met him, and um, we had a lot of good times together because of the drinking, and we'd go to the drive-in, and we'd smoke up the windows, you know, and, and watch the movie and cuddle and all this good stuff. I thought, this is really living. I had never seen this before. But I didn't know he had a six-pack between his legs. You know, he always had to have liquor. And that was okay. You know, that was okay. We had a lot of good times. But I kind of noticed that he would um, uh, stand me up once in a while. That kind of pissed me
1: off. You know,
0: these other high fluting guys never did do that. They'd bring nice gifts and all that good (laughs) stuff. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like I wanted the rough stuff. It's more exciting, but anyway, um, on graduation night, and about two hours later, I gave the engagement ring back, and went looking for my truck, it's too boring, so anyway, um, we got married, and I was looking for security, because I didn't like working, I worked on my life, so I was looking for security, and he was working. And he was looking for sex. Good <laughs> night, dirty. And we call that love. Okay? I don't know. We didn't know any better. Didn't know he did. He came from a loving family. Very loving family. I think I fell in love with his family more than I did because all I wanted from him was security. But um we got married and we partied and we drank and I would drink and drink about three beers and go in the bathroom and vomit come back drink again because i want to keep up with him you know he's not going to get ahead of me and we did that for a while and i remember one night i thought this one and we're going to be um, uh, a family you know we got this one child and we we're going to start being a family and uh, so i uh, Quit going with him to drink. Well, you know a guy that works five days, you know, to get two free ones. He's not going to stay home with his wife and kids. He's got a party. Well, I didn't think that was right. And um, um, I stayed home with the children. And so I stayed home with the children to go his merry way. But the good thing of it was that he was a gooder. And he'd always bring that paycheck home. And he'd say, give me ten cents. I want to get a glass of beer and I will be home. At that time it was ten. So I gave him the ten cents. I didn't see him till Sunday night. <laughs> I don't understand. He must have had a job on Saturday to buy more beer on Sunday. I don't know you know, I never could figure that out. And, um, and I showed him many times, you know, with the, with the kids and stuff. Um, one night I drank, and I drank Tom Collins. And everybody was drinking Tom Collins. And I love those cherries and that Tom Collins. Just loved them. So I ate all of them. <laughs> so I went home, and this is when I was working at Kroger's, and I went home, and, and he was standing by the back door. Where have you been? just get out of my way, get out of my way, into the bathroom, and I threw up all those cherries. (laughs) But being state of mind I was, I thought I was bleeding to death. (laughs) I really did.
1: So, but, you know, it
0: didn't teach him a thing. It didn't teach him a thing. Because um, I was still trying to control the disease of alcohol, not knowing it was a disease. I just kind of thought maybe, you know, he was in love with Falls City,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And um, um, I did most of everything what you guys did, maybe some a little worse. Um, we had financial problems, he was sick a lot. And um, he would, sometimes we didn't have money and um, he would um, take the kids' money. And so finally I got real smart. And I this was for Al-Anon. I got real smart. I put my money in the hubcap. He wasn't going to find it. He'd find it. But not in the hubcap. Did you ever go down the road, clinkety-clinkety-clinkety-clinkety-clinkety-clink? Clink, clink,
1: clink? <laughs> got my money
0: yet. You know. And, um, but... So we, I did a lot of the crazy things, stood at the window. I have my al house coat. I won't give it up for nothing. Love it. Don't always wear it. It's really, really bad. You know, one of the neighbors even bought me a new one.
1: <laughs> Miss Shirley.
0: <laughs> but um, uh, his drinking proceeded. But I can really say that at the times that he was sober, He didn't drink during the week, didn't drink during the week weekends, and he was a good father. He coached the girls in softball, basketball. Um, One of our daughters went to the state uh, tournament. They got beat there, you know, by, uh, I forget what kind, what what should I call those kind of people? (laughs) It was a whole team of real good basketball players, you know, there's no whites on it.
1: But anyway, they got beat by that team.
0: And, and I think he had a lot to do with, uh, with their lives. So I can't really say, there was no fighting in our family. I did not fight. I was, a, I, my father and mother didn't fight. I, I couldn't even that. I didn't wanna hurt nobody. <coughs> and um, the only time I really hurt him was one time when he didn't get up to go to work and I hit him with a broom. That was the only time I've ever heard to I mean, other than my words. I mean, I could kill him with words. And um, so anyway, we we went on, and the girls and I uh, did fine. He would take them with me. It would make me worry about, you know, them driving home with it and so forth. So there was a lot of worry. What started where I went really down with it is when the children said, Mom, what's wrong with you? We know dads a drunk. We know dad drinks. But what, why do you want to get so upset? And it made me think. So I went to see a psychologist. And, well, I first went to see the priests and so forth, but it was really there. So I went to see a psychologist, and the psychologist told me, almost what Eleanor told me, detach pretend that he's dead, Detach, you know. And because divorce at that time, oh, no, not with my upbringing. You just didn't get a divorce. I mean, you suffered. But anyway, I start doing that. And the children and I had plan A and plan B. If dad was there and plan A, he was fine, we'd go. Plan B, we'd go by ourselves and I joined a lot of organizations, done a lot of volunteer work, and um, I went to this meeting that one night, and we usually had about 25 people at the meeting, and two people showed up that night, and it was Joe, and everybody Joe knows Joe M., and Mary Ann. And Joe started to talk about his his alcoholism, you know, and um, I started sharing with him a little bit. I said, Alcoholism, what is that? You know, I'm not a dumb person, but you know, I just wasn't around. It wasn't on t v and um so he was kind of my lifeline for a while, even with the detachment. Now I didn't detach with love.
1: <laughs>
0: hell no what he was doing to me. no way, in fact, I didn't know what love and um so anyway, uh, <coughs> excuse me. He got to the point that uh, he, I think, can't tell his story. But I think he was getting lonely because I did, and the children did what we needed to do. So one New Year's Eve, the children and I had planned to go, my sisters, and go out for New Year's Eve, you know. And he begged me to go along. He said, "I'll quit at midnight." Ha! <laughs> How many times did I hear that? You know, but I thought, well, maybe one more time. And he did quit. And it was like walking on eggs. Because every minute he was late, I knew he was drunk. Now, we don't think that carries on to the children. So I think, in my own story here, I probably hindered my children a lot more and what he did. They knew he was drunk. But here I am sober and I'm acting crazy. You know. And so he was sober the nine months. We went shopping, came home. And um, he laid in bed and I didn't know nothing about AA other than what Joe told me. It was the only thing. And I said, well, I know a guy that's been sober and um Um, So, our journey began. Joe came out to the bed. I rolled him over, otherwise he wouldn't be. I thought about it first, though. (laughs) Should or I shouldn't I. Insurance policy. Oh, shoot, wouldn't it be nice, you know. The craziness, the disease makes you crazy. So, anyway, I did roll him over because I am a good person. I don't like to hurt anybody, but it's. anyway, he, uh, Joe and his wife took us to meetings every night of the week. And, you know, they, they are the most wonderful people. Pete and I smoked. We smoked like beans. Like and poor Joe had such a respiratory problem. But he never said nothing. And they took us and took us. And, um, and we finally began to make the trip. Now, I went to AA meetings. I loved AA meetings. I loved to see what he had to say because, you know, my father had told me that, you know, you have to stand up for yourself and, you know, so forth. So, you know, and on the way home we would discuss it and I wanted to make sure he got to hear it just right. And if he didn't, I'd kind of tell him, you know. So I was the fixer. we met a lot of nice people, he did a lot of talking, and uh, he went to a lot of meetings. And it's, it was really a lot of closeness. Um, today I look at it and I don't know half of you people. And at that time, 35 years ago, there were just two, and everybody knew everybody. And when one person come in as a, as a, a problem, the whole six, eight people would take them to Evansville. And this was every night. And um, my one child said to me, one you know, before daddy and, and you were crazy, and now you're always at AA meeting. So I never did know how to balance things. Never heard the word before. Um, so anyway, um, uh, life became better. I, um, I went to A meetings a lot, and then they started an Al-Anon meeting, and they said, all the Al-Anons have to go over there. Well, you know, I didn't know what Al-Anon was, and I really needed to stay with him to make sure that he's going to stay sober another week. So anyway, um, but I went over, and they said that I was sick. That really teed me off, but um, and I thought, how can I be sick? I paid the bills, I did this, I did I kept the family going, I did all of this and after I stayed a few meetings and I could understand and they shared with me and I slowly, slowly mind you began to accept that I did have problems I was not the only one that the disease of alcoholism it just slowly creeps up on you and uh, we went to a lot of conventions I told somebody a while ago we have 750 tapes that we've been to the conventions and people think you can't go to a convention it's too expensive we took bologna sandwiches we did and some places we didn't have the, the ten or seven dollars it was at the time to even pay the membership but we would say well we just don't have it now so don't don't make the excuse that I can't go because you're only harming yourself go, let you but if you can do your share please do and um, enjoyed in the children, the basketball games, went to college games, sober. But there were times, you know, before this, and I forget to mention it. You know, what if he's drunk on my daughter's weddings? What am I going to do? And my daughters were maybe five and six. (laughs) What am I going to do? It's going to be embarrassing. Now you have to remember, I came from a family of high pride and try to hide an alcoholic. Jesus criminy. Put him in the closet and all the ones blue body falls. You just can't. And that was good because it got rid of a lot of the pride, uh, the bad pride, the false pride. I wanna be me. I don't wanna have to put on a show. And that's what you people did. When I came in the program, you accepted me just the so I didn't really want to know what you guys were going to do. You also have to remember, I came into the program with uh, Harpar, that was not mine. Mine was a punishing, and many of you have had those. But it took me nine years. To, or, that was enough, because you guys showed me how to do it, and I am so grateful. I don't know where I am what more could you ask? We've had a lot of problems in our business. There were two times that I've almost lost. And You know when you get into the program and you understand the program you can open your mind. You can open your mind and when you have a higher power the kind that I've got, the kind that I put in the seat next to me in the car because I have a lot of road rage. <laughs> so he sits beside me and I look over. and um. So if you have a higher power of my understanding, you see the miracles, you begin to see the miracles. I have a husband that died and a lot of things that have happened. I can see miracles every day, you know, even if, to me, a miracle is a little plant that is sticking its little head up. And the green trees and the good stuff, you know, it's just just marvelous. um let me look at my notes here and so I don't forget nothing you know I gotta be perfect no no I don't and um I always remember too I heard at a speech one time uh I've had a lot of problems in my life really I've had a lot of problems in my life but you know what only half of them came true only half of them came true those are the words that you hear at the conventions those are the words that stick up here and when you get into trouble, because we all do, we all we're we're human beings. We're all, And God always says, you know, He'll help you, but you get your head out of your ass to do it. You have to do your share. Um, another thing that I enjoyed so much with the program is was I was a Alateen sponsor for five years. Greatest time of my life. Helped me understand my. Helped a lot of children. One is in. Um, Aeronautics now, writes me every Christmas and he always says I wouldn't be here today because that night when you took me under your shoulder, I was ready to kill myself. So you don't think this program has a lot of reward? Just stay long enough. There were times when uh, um, my family would, would uh, my sisters and brothers would say, what do you need to go to those meetings for? He's quit drinking. And I would say, I go for me, for me. Well, why don't you go with us once in a while, I lived probably 20 years in a, that word, in a crazy home. That's the way I understood it. And it took me 20 years to undo some of the things that I had loved. And again, I want to—I'm going to really say that I had—I had a wonderful mother and father. I had a wonderful mother and father. They fed me, they clothed me. We always had a big ham hanging in the smokehouse. We had food, shoes, a big house on the hill. House, I said, because there's a difference between a house and I've tried to make my home a home for my children. Um, When I first got into the meeting, I uh, uh, used the slogans. and and, uh, The one day at a time. Now, you know, I am 66 years old, probably got maybe about 30, 40 years to live, 50, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, um, and that's not for me to know anyway. Um, um, But I I want to, I don't want to go back there anymore. And you, if you quit going to meetings and you quit working with people and you quit 12-stepping, then you're going to slowly slip back. Because I did. I quit going for a year. So, you ain't going to keep me from these meetings. I don't care what you do. I know where I belong to. Um, I've been, like I say, I belong to a lot of organizations. And I've never received the rewards from an organization like I have. Um, Everybody in those other organizations always told me what what to do. In Al-Anon, we suggest what you need to do. Because if you'd have told me, I have to do this, you know, here I was, that little rebellious, but you just suggested the things that I do. In sponsorship, oh my, I'm really good on that, and I love that, because people. And get the other view, because I had this ugly view here. I needed someone else to, to put it in perspective for me. Uh, a lot of them are dead now. Uh, so we have a, a bunch of young ones we like. Good-looking guys too. Ooh. When you're 66, boy, anything
1: looks good. But yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're sweethearts, and and um, we moved into town after Pete's surgery. Lost into town, moved off the farm. I was, but you know, with this program, it was easy. Because, you know, God puts you in place. And I figured with his, his voice box, he can't lift more than 10 pounds. When you live on a farm, you know, 10 pounds, you know, that's a cup of sugar.
1: <laughs>
0: so we uh, moved to town we thought, And I, in my own thinking, that's a miracle because it was almost like that. And it's just, it's just when I lived on the farm, I had my, my family as neighbors. And you know, family's fine, I love them. But um, they always try to tell you what to do. And I never did like that. So my neighbors, they don't tell me what to do, because most of them are in the program. (laughs) (laughs) But I love them, I love them. Um, Well, oh, and another thing I had read, and I always like to write these things down to get them, is. I heard at a speaker meeting one time, and I always felt like I was judged, especially with my parents, with his disease, because I, and I remember that saying, "and uh, let go and let go And another one that I've really ground, got fond of is live and let live. Let people alone, as long as they don't commit murder. You know, let them alone, let them live their life, let them suffer.
1: I did, (laughs) they want
0: help, come, you know, and I I don't use the anonymity, probably a lot of them in town, know and it wears off, really tell people what we, you know, I always tell them, we go, to you know, so they at least, if they have the trouble, and you know all of them do, they know a friend or a relative, and then they'll come to us, you know, now we don't always have that much, and I made amends to my children, Uh, we discussed that, you know, if I would have, as much as I love my children, and they have learned, they like him a little bit better than me, and I just don't understand that. You know, they always, oh, Dad, 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 Hi, Dad, Mom, you shouldn't have said that. You know, it really kind of does. Everybody, is it all better. I like my father better. Maybe that, but. um Okay, let me look at the clock here. I mean, I can go on all day if you guys want me to. You know, I got a dog sit at five, so I know I can't. But I can come back. <laughs> but um, I love the program. I, um, I wish everybody could have it. I know I can't, can't give it to them. I can be there. But wouldn't it be a nicer place? But I can't dwell on that a whole lot. I got into a married disease. I'm, I didn't want him to have out I don't like anybody to have any kind of disease. But if it wouldn't have been I would probably still be hateful. We were just sued. We were supposed to be a close family, and we were sued for the family from the, one of them family members. And we—it's it's a place that I wanted to get away from at one time. But as you grow older, I love. My farm, and um, so we were sued, and and um, I had a hard time with that, a real hard time. And but you know, that farm wasn't mine. He left me have it just long. So you know, God sees for you. Oh, I got a little bit of cash out of it. <laughs> you know, it's a direction and honest program. You know, but you know that that's not a big deal with. And you people, you. people, and how can you go on life? I used to, uh, and, and I'm still learning. I'm not graduating from this program. Please don't kick me out. So I know I've got a lot to learn that I can get perfect, <laughs> get one of my old traits back. I miss them. <laughs> but uh, uh, we've had hard times, and it's not all roses. And, and as we know in Elanon, it's not. It's a program that teaches you when you think. Look at it, Lucian. Don't let it drive your insight. And I don't know what I'd have done.